Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Mike and I are here recording at a safe social distance. I'm waving at Mike now. Can you see me way over there, Mike? I can see you. Uh, and uh forgot to say in our last session, but happy birthday yesterday. Yeah, thanks, man. To the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg. How old are you, 30? Yeah, somewhere around there. You don't look a day over 30. Yeah. You know, family treat you well? Um, yeah, another day. You getting any nice presents? Uh, not really. They couldn't shop. Everything was closed down. Oh. I got a leaf mulcher. No one brought you, like, pizzas? Oh, you did. You gave me pizzas. That was very nice of you. In fact, I don't think my children even knew it was uh, my birthday until I said, it's my birthday. Will you just do what you're supposed to do yeah. as my gift? Uh, so, uh. Yeah, Maggie, my uh, my oldest works at Papa Murphy, so she said she put extra love in them. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, <laughs> like there's, like, one extra pepperoni? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um. But we're going to be talking about now uh, the the chapter 12 of the Lindbergh book, The Blood of the Martyrs and the Reformation in the Netherlands. And and with these, we try not to do just a simply a rehashing of the book, but um, this is kind of more big takeaways um, that may be directly from the chapter or not, but regarding the Netherlands. And uh, this uh, this period is one of the periods that you can kind of see its lasting legacy uh, every time the World Cup comes around. Mm-hmm. Because even though, uh, from my experience in the Netherlands, uh, few of the Dutch Protestants are really practicing anymore. The Catholics kind of still practice. They hold on to that better. Um, but when the, the Dutch group, which I, I like to root for now, and I was there when they beat Germany, that was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, when the Dutch group takes the uh, pitch, they're wearing orange. Or right? speed skating. Speed yeah. skating, they'll say, yeah. And uh, and so they uh, that orange we'll get to, but that goes back to to these days. So if anybody ever wonders, does history matter? Well, if you're going to understand the World Cup, I wonder if we'll ever have that again. I think with the virus, we'll be able to have. I, it. We're not until 2022, so we should, we got some time for the next one. You're being optimistic here, then, huh? Well, it's it's a few years away. Yeah, I've been digging in the backyard just in case. <laughs> got to build a bunker, maybe. <clears throat> um. I might be the only. I got a line on toilet paper if you if you yeah. need some though. I think I'm the only Let the Bird Fly podcast member who has a weapon. Actually, all right. I have a BB gun. Yeah, I have that and a. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you ever hear the the comedy skit? I think it's Dave Chappelle, and he says you got to pepper them first. You use the bird shot, <laughs> and then the buck shot. And, all right, I'll stop. <clears throat> um, the uh, so we're, we'll talk about. Um, Reformation in the Netherlands. But what's important here, uh, first off, is that people understand what we're really talking about is Reformation in the Low Countries. Um, We think of the Netherlands today, and what we're really talking about are the northern provinces um, of what would be called the the Low Countries. This is, um, if you were to go to Europe today and you're going to get a rail pass, the Benelux Mm -hmm. kind of region. So Belgium... Netherlands and uh, I never know what to make of Luxembourg. They're just doing their own thing, you know. Yeah, they're kind of cool. With good public transportation and chocolate, and I think they do a lot of like finance capital. And so, I um, went there when I went there. I went there just this is pre Euro, just to get one of their coins. I'm like, nice. okay, now I'm out. Yeah, it. Uh, I was there post Euro, so it wasn't <laughs> as the money thing wasn't as exciting. But um, we're really going to talk about the Low Countries, and that's important because. Uh, the first place we're going to talk about where 
uh, evangelicalism in the 16th century sense begins to take hold is not in the Netherlands of today, <coughs> although it is in the north of Belgium. And here, when we talk about Flemish, um, we're talking about Flanders. This is kind of northern Belgium. And the Flemish are going to be different than the Walloons or Wallonia, which are the more French Belgians. And they don't always get along that great. In fact, I was in Belgium uh, with my mom and my wife once, and we were on a, a subway train, and there was uh, some people arguing, and the colors were bringing, being brought up, and I had known from reading the newspapers. This was a big political election, and this uh, kind of cut down uh, linguistic lines and said, well, we should get off here. And Trisha, my mom, said, well, it's not our stop. And I said, no, we should really get off here. And as we got off, it came to fisticuffs. Uh, <laughs> there's a kind of a, a, a growing Flemish independence movement in Belgium. They they sometimes see the the, the more French influences uh, not bringing much economically. Um, and so this will be, think modern-day Netherlands and then Flanders. And you know who's got a lot of family from Flanders, by the way, Mike? Ned Flanders from the... This guy. Do you? Yeah. Oh. The Romans. Um, so actually, that's why we were... In, I took my mom to see where they're all from. From is a game. And uh, so uh, I've got a soft spot for Flanders <laughs> in my heart. Antwerp is going to be very much... Uh, well, not the city as a whole, but there's going to be strong Lutheran influence in Antwerp. And it's actually going to be Antwerp that produces the first what we might call Lutheran martyrs. And Luther writes the rather well-known song about this. A new song here shall be sung. Um, and so Antwerp is going to be key for the beginning. But what Charles V couldn't do in Germany, he could do in the Low Countries. The Low Countries um, did not have political support to have a magisterial reformation there from the top down. And so to be an evangelical there or a Protestant was meant, meant that you were somewhat in a precarious situation. And so Charles V is going to really try to root out heresy in the Low Countries. And you're going to see some of the most brutal persecution of Protestantism that you will have in all of Europe. And yet these uh, evangelical communities hang on. Some are going to become much more reformed in their views, <coughs> so more inclined to the Swiss Reformation. Uh, but you're going to have here as well still political, economic, and religious things all tied in, into one. So when things come to a head, the orange of the Protestants will be associated with the Netherlands. And yet there were lots of people who were on board with the revolt um, against the Spanish as they would see it. Uh, we sometimes forget with this. Charles V, right, is associated with Spain. Um, the Habsburgs, the Phillips of Spain, these are Habsburgs. Um, the Holy Roman Empire was big. Um, and so it included not only Germany, but Spain. And when Lutherans tend to study it, we focus so much on Germany that we sometimes forget that it, it's, it also was rooted in Spain. And for instance, when Charles V reinvades Germany um, and overtakes the, the Lutheran lands, it's with many Spanish troops. And so there's this anti-Spanish uh, feeling in the Low Countries, is uh, they're seen as oppressors that will be tied up in everything as well. <clears throat> and there's still this. This is still a custom in the Netherlands today. <clears throat> when it was getting close to a uh, Christmas, when we were living there, um, you see something that, as an American, is very uh, 
unsettling. You go to shopping areas and there's people in blackface handing out candy, um, dressed up like elves. And I still remember the first time one of them came up with a bunch of candy to give my kids and my kids looking at me like, what in the world's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, we want candy, but why has this person's uh, face p- uh, painted black? And well, that's Black Peter. Um, what, how do they say in Dutch? Schwarze Peter, I think. And the the story goes, Sinterklaas, so Santa Claus, uh, comes on St. Nicholas Day. And like, they did it up. Like, he came in on a boat and then rode a horse. <laughs> and then there's parades through all the streets. So St. Nicholas Day is their big day. But um, if you're a naughty kid, you know what happens, Mike? <laughs> Black Peter puts you in his bag and takes you to Spain. <laughs> now... December in the Netherlands is not freezing, but it's rainy and cold. And, you know, for us, and what we were there, 2012, I think, going to Spain didn't sound bad. Like, go to the beach, mm-hmm. you know, maybe dance to some techno music. Um, but when this developed, going to Spain was very bad. Spain was tied to Catholic oppression. Um, Charles V is actually eventually going to abdicate um, in Brussels. And this will further exacerbate things um, as uh, there's, it's unsure where things are, are, are going to go and how they will develop. Uh, um, but what happens increasingly is that more and more magistrates start to see, in especially reformed themes, things that they can identify with. Um, and so you're going to have some association of Reformed uh, theology or churches with uh, Dutch and Flemish uh, anti-Spanish resistance in the uh, the Low Countries. <coughs> Excuse me, but because they never have political support, there's going to be this kind of growing trend towards separatism as well meaning they're unable to have a, a unified front religiously in the same way as uh, as could happen with Luther in, in Germany. And so these low countries also will produce some of the more famous Anabaptists. Uh, Melchior Hoffman will be one of them. Um, an infamous one will be Jan Mathis of Harlem, uh, who is uh, going to be involved in the, the Münster debacle, and, and we, uh, we'll talk about that another time in here, but that's a fascinating event. But probably the most famous in the American setting would be Menno Simons, who is father of the Mennonites. And if you're uh, living in the Midwest or um, New England in America, odds are you have seen Mennonites. Um, Mennonites sometimes are associated with the Amish, but they're actually a a separate group. Um, You will have some Anabaptism that develops out of this. The most predominant uh, religious theme will be Calvinism that develops, especially um, in Flanders among the Flemish and uh, eventually in Antwerp. <coughs> um, and you're going to have a person who becomes very important, and that will be William of Nassau. Nas, Nas, I can never say it. William of Nassau and Orange or Orange, uh, the governor of Holland, Zeeland, and Utrecht. Um, he, he is going to kind of lead this um, envoy to petition uh, Philip's regent. Uh, Philip is the the young Habsburg who has come to power now. Um, 
whose region is a sister, Margaret of Parma, to end the Inquisition in the Low Countries. <clears throat> she uh, kind of plays along somewhat, you know, as if she might give in. Um, <clears throat> but these people are pictured as being beggars. And this becomes, sometimes um, someone gives someone a term that they think is going to deride them, but it actually becomes a rallying cry. You know, a good example would be the the Pistons of the late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> um, who were known for being physical, and, and people called them the bad boys. Well, then Detroit just latched onto that, and, you know, there were bad boy shirts, bad boy songs, and... Um, you know, kind of the <clears throat> the arch bad boy, my favorite piston ever, um, Bill Lambeer, <clears throat> you know, kind of wears it with pride, but Rick Mahorn and others. Um, so also this term beggar, you've heard of maybe in history the sea beggars, right? Who are these like, <clears throat> they're just these tenacious seafaring like gnats that are just going to pick away at stronger naval powers, but very carefully. And, and this will... Um, solicit a reaction uh, from the throne, as, as Philip will put, the Duke of Alva, who's known as the Iron Duke, in charge of basically uh, protracted persecution in the, the Low Countries. He enters Brussels in August of 1567, and this Council of Troubles or of Blood, uh, as the Netherlanders call it, will take place, um, and there's going to be thousands who are executed, including nobility, uh, needless to say, uh, this is not going to endear um, the Netherlanders any more to Spanish interests or to uh, Spanish powers. The sea beggars um, are able to kind of terrorize Spanish commerce um, to capture some coastal cities, um, defeat a, a Spanish uh, fleet in the South Sea. And the uh, and you're going to have the beginnings of hope for independence. Uh, William of Orange is assassinated in July of 1584, and what he had not been able to do was to keep <coughs> excuse me the southern and northern provinces united uh, fully enough to survive this together. Uh, Maurice, his son, will 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 take over for him, and the northern provinces will. Revolt. Um, an, about a hundred thousand people or so flee the southern provinces to go back north as the Spanish reconquer it and re-Catholicize it. Uh, and so, uh, what will happen is that you will have the north being this kind of beacon of, um, we could say Dutch if we're using it broadly, Dutch, Flemish, uh, Netherland, you know, Netherlandish. Um, hope that is connected with being anti-Spanish and with Protestantism. And this might sound familiar. It's a little like what happened in England with Elizabeth, right? Uh, the Spanish really tended to have a way of uniting other people. And and think time. of the Spanish, you know, uh, you have the connection to the Habsburgs who are, you know, ruling Austria, but also Spain and and. And how, and then of course the Holy Roman Empire, which is in Germany, France, and then also the Low Countries, kind of feel a little p 
pinched in by them. Yeah. And and think of the Spain, Spain too, as the New York Yankees. Are the, I mean, they're big. They're powerful. They got the Armada, but they are often the, the big. The new world is a big power. I yeah. Mean, they, they, this is at the time where missionaries from Portugal and Spain, I mean, were already into uh, uh, the coast of Africa, around the coast of Africa, India, making its way to China. Um, there's a lot of money, but big and bloated, too. So, I, you know, I don't know. They also know. flood the market with gold and silver and therefore devalue it. Yeah. Right. So not they're big and bloated and, and not nimble enough to understand some of those economic things. And, of course, a symbol of that is the Spanish Armada, right? They're big, bad ships that, that are eventually defeated by sleeker, more sophisticated, uh, easier to maneuver English, English ships. So it's easy to hate Spain right now. Yeah. Especially if you're a low country, small kind of, and and then or add a kid who's not been good that year in Christmas, <laughs> and then add on to that, of course, uh, uh, the the religious differences. And and Spain, you know, we just got off talking about France. Okay, Huguenots made some some inroads or whatever. It's not happening in Spain. Right. That is not happening in Spain. There's that that Reformation is where Spain conquers. It's going to be Catholic, and we see that happening in the New World. Yeah, absolutely, and and ramifications still today, where you see those countries that that were were Spanish, um, keep that culture, that language, and the Catholicism still today much more than than the French, the English, the Dutch, and the German colonies. And uh, and so um, you're going to have, in 1648, Treaty of Westphalia, um, the Republic of the United Provinces is finally recognized internationally as independent. Um, William of, of Orange uh, is going to be kind of, even though he was assassinated, held up as kind of this icon for resistance to the Spanish. Um, and uh, so he'll be a very important historical figure for the for the Dutch. And now you have this situation, you always have this situation when there's rebellion or resistance or revolution of that phase passes and then now what? And so in the American setting, right, we, the colonies now are independent and they've got to figure out, okay, what, uh, how are we going to set this government up and um, how are we going to fund it and uh, who are we going to be allied with or not allied with or are we going to have you know, treaties with anyone? Well, one of the questions becomes, how do you have, or can you have a Calvinist Netherlands, a Calvinist Dutch Republic? And the answer of many of the ministers was, you had to form a godly society, um, like they probably would have looked to Geneva and Zurich, um, and for that you need church discipline. And for uh, these Calvinists, church discipline actually rises to the level of a mark of the church. But you have uh, a number of people within the society uh, who the uh, the strict Calvinists call libertines uh, who say, we just got rid of Catholic oppression and the Catholics being too engaged in our, our life. Uh, why would we want the moral police now to, to step in? And so because of these tensions, you're going to have the failure to establish really a unified church order um, for the new state, for the provinces. And there's going to develop in the, in the Netherlands uh, the beginnings of what we would think of today in the West of religious liberty. Um, the idea that we can do business with each other and with the rest of the world. I used to joke with my 
my Dutch friends that they uh, developed their language to be a perfect mix of English and German so that they could rip off both <laughs> of their uh, the, of those around them with whom they traded. Uh, but they uh, there's going to be the beginnings of notions of, you know what, maybe we can still get along societally even if there's religious differences. This doesn't mean that on the street the Calvinist and the Catholic were going to you know play kickball together. Um, there's going to be different organizations, different clubs, different political parties that will develop. But here we see the beginning of religious toleration or pluralism as we might know it today, just the seeds of it. And it's for this reason, too, people sometimes forget when the pilgrims come to America, those pilgrims had had a, an important stopover in the Netherlands, right? Um, we actually went for Thanksgiving to uh, where the pilgrims had met in in the Netherlands, um, I think it was in Delfshaven, um, and uh, and this uh, the Netherlands will become a prototype what will for what will uh, happen in the West over time. Um, as far as the situation in the southern provinces, um, these are going to be largely Catholic. So when my uh, great grandpa Roman came over uh, during the war. His father had already been over here in Detroit. There's a big Belgian population there for a while, but he had gone back uh, and as great grandpa was coming. But uh, his background had been Catholic. He actually ended up here um, becoming Lutheran uh, eventually, uh, well before I was born. But uh, Brussels, Antwerp, uh, um, Ghent, Bruges, right? These famous cities. Uh, are not going to be as associated <clears throat> with Calvinism as as will happen in the in the north. Uh, anything, Mike, you have on development of the Netherlands, de- development of religious toleration, anything that comes to mind? Well, it's a long history. Uh, this is one of the first places where you could be you could be Jewish anywhere, right? But you could really be Jewish here. Um, and what I mean by that is, <clears throat> you know, slowly these states in I'm specific. specific specifically talking more about uh, in Germany, where, okay, we're going to tolerate Roman Catholics and like just this broad, what we'd call Protestant today, but what they meant, evangelical, right? Non-Catholics. But then you could also, okay, well, we'll you have certain legal protections to Jewish people, right? And, 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 and you, the local prince is going to say, okay, that's just it. We're no more, no more, no more. The Netherlands tended, or today, what we call the Netherlands, tended to be on the forefront of that, right? And so uh, there is going to be some toleration there. And you see that in their society today that is very, very tolerant to, in good ways and in bad ways, of course. Um, and so a lot of these things just get played out. I mean, you know, we talked about Spain, we talked about France, we talked about Netherlands. A lot of this, these seeds are being planted right now as we go away from the medieval, then eventually into the light, Enlightenment. You're going to have a series of revolutions, of course, the French Revolution, but later on you're going to have revolutions in the 1800s. The seeds are being planted right here, and you can kind of draw a line all the way till the modern culture of each of these countries, and then when they're taken to uh, the New World as well, uh, New Amsterdam, New York, right, is going to be tolerant in some place, in some respects, but actually not very tolerant in other things, and and, and the difference will be 
um, with have to do with trade, right? Like we're gonna be very tolerant, but not so much about slavery. You know, be, yeah. yeah this will be important and um, brings to Mike mind a good point, Mike. I notice that societally, then the shift becomes away from other unifying things like religion, etc. To well, we're all gonna come together and do business together, mm-hmm. um, and this will be a step towards in the West. Uh, in, in, in many ways, economics is the state religion of, of the West. We see this even with the COVID outbreak, right? Um, should it be the economy or should it be public health? Mm-hmm. Or, um, but uh, the economy kind of becomes the unifying uh, factor for society, which will be an important development for what will follow. All right. Well, <laughs> how long did we go on that, Mike? 24, 25 okay. minutes. Well, that's not too bad. Um, it's about how long I talk in class besides uh, the group discussion. So um, we're going to pick up in the next one with Catholic renewal and the Counter-Reformation. Uh, but for now, we're going to leave Calvinism behind for a little bit, uh, make our way back to Roman Catholicism, and we'll talk about why that's so important. I hope you're staying safe uh, and healthy and uh, letting the bird fly.